Hey, this is Paul. This is Storm. And this is Jonathan Colton, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You certainly are. Big time. Because if you have been mar- like marginalized, if you've been bullied, like your first instinct is to you think that the people who are bullying you have power, and that becomes admirable. So you want to turn around and like if you suddenly have power, then the only way you've seen power used is to put other people down, as opposed to bring other people up. So if we can kind of process our our stuff and turn it around to where other people's happiness makes us happy instead of angry. Uh, it might be, might be good. Yeah, get rid of the humiliation and shame culture. That's just part of culture. Yeah. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about the election I anyway. I can't. <laughs> I'm glad I talked it out with you though. That's- yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll no more pol- so Jamie and I just had a conversation off off audio about the election and we got it out so we don't have to give it to you we don't have to bore you with it <laughs> yeah and yeah if you're anything like me it's just you can't anymore so no. we're not gonna bring it into this we're done <laughs> no more election <laughs> uh, three and a half more years or however long it starts up when, four and a half when it, when does it start up again though the, the oh the next election and, well who knows this yeah. one took two years the next one could start tomorrow for yeah. all we know <laughs> Bernie sanders is announcing his candidacy tomorrow for can you imagine oh my word anyways enough about politics i'm sure everybody's sick of hearing let's talk about some music we're gonna talk about the double clicks <laughs> the double clicks that's a cool name it really is. Double click. Um, and then it, it, it just reminds me, it's a, it's a term though that hasn't really gone away in internet culture, whereas some things that we used to say, like I'm videoing or like it doesn't, yeah. we still say it, but young people are like, what are you talking about? But double yeah. click, I still double click. I still have I see, to. <laughs> you still do have to. Yeah, that's the thing. It's funny you, you mentioned that. It's like when you talk about recording something. Right. Or like, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go. You know, people still talk about I'm going to film that, or yeah. they don't use film anymore. Like, or a, like, I can like, can I tape you saying something? People still say tape. Yep. But you don't use tape. No, it goes it goes like through metal prongs <laughs> on an SD card. <laughs> I'm looking at mine right here. But yeah, double click is one of those terms. It's like an old school computer term that right. is still relevant. Exactly. And when I think double click, still though, I think like the original Pentiums that came out, and you were like. <laughs> Every time you click, you know what I mean? Like, every time you press it. It was like an audible click that like people across the room could hear you. Those giant keys when you would type, clack, 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 clack. So, but I I think the double clicks are more, they're they're probably, I don't know. Are they nostalgia? I don't, uh, Jamie, who who are the double clicks for people that don't know? What are they about? 
So the double clicks are sisters Angela and Aubrey Weber, and uh, they are in the same vein, same genre as uh, people like Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm, who we had on before. Um, they sing about things that are relevant to geeky interests. Right. So uh, you could they've been classified. I mean, you could call it comedy. You could call it geek music. You could even call it kids music sometimes. I think that's they've been you know, classified as that, but it's sort of, it's, they sing about things other than, you know, music or getting drunk, like not music, love or getting drunk, which right. is what you hear about on the radio with pop music. They sing up, they sing about, um, you know, JR, you know, they sing about Tolkien, they sing about Game okay. of Thrones, they sing about, you know, comic books, they sing about um, feminism, they sing about, you know, just things that, that are not usually the subjects of songs. You know, we talked right. about this a bit with Colton and Paul and Storm and how it's, they cross genres and it's so hard to, uh, to, to categorize what, it, what type of music that they have. And the double clicks are the same way. Um, they sort of live outside the quote unquote mainstream, um, but they have a huge following. They're originally, not originally, I think they're still there. They're from the Pacific Northwest, Northwest. I believe they're from Portland, Oregon. Um, but they do, they, they, they perform at a lot of, uh, conventions like PAX and Woodstock and things where there's like a huge gathering of geeks um, right. and you can find the double clicks there. Uh, they've also just started uh, double clicks records. They, they started their own, you could call it a label. Um, I'm not really sure. Again, that's one of those terms, you know, like, uh, like tape right. and video. Yeah. Like do we really have, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go record a record, but do we still have record labels anymore? I mean, it's yeah. the music industry is in such a weird place with people just distributing music online. So I guess we could call it a label. Um, what it is, is they're just finding like-minded musicians and supporting them. So they just did their first Kickstarter for uh, another musician that they wanted to support and it was successful. And so this is sort of what they're doing now. And it's they're using their platform and their fame to, and, and their their followers and their support, and they see that there's this this hunger and a desire for this type of music and this type of, you know, independent spirit in music, mm -hmm. and they're gonna help give those other people their platform and, and right. prop them up. So I think it's great. I think it's, it's fantastic. It's amazing it. to me all these bands that are that are out now that are doing like geek culture music is such a it's such a neat niche for band like for music. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, not everybody is successful, obviously. Not right. everybody in music is successful. But, um, you know, people like, the you know, bands like the Double Clicks and Paul and Storm, they're really charting the way and they're they're giving they're giving a voice to a lot of people who right. didn't necessarily have a voice in pop music before. Mm -hmm. So it's really good. And uh, I, I, I linked a couple of uh, videos in the post, if that's how you came to this episode. But... Um, they have a couple songs that are, are particularly good that you need to listen to. One of them is uh, Aubrey. Just, Aubrey plays the cello, and uh, she just did a cover of "History Has Its Eyes on You" from Hamilton, the musical. Yep. And it's just solo, solo cello doing an instrumental version of that song, and it's just beautiful. So wow. you have, you, if, if nothing else, go listen to that. Okay, perfect. So we're gonna go play that for you right now. We hope you enjoy the interview. Angela and Aubrey, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk today. This is fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. 
Um, I think it's probably safe to say that your brand of music has only recently broken out of the mold of what's considered quote unquote unconventional. I think that was largely because it was difficult for a lot of people to categorize. Um, okay. And so I'm wondering how much support you guys got when you first devoted yourselves to music full time. Um, well, the uh, I, I, I think being a little bit different has actually helped us a great deal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because um, primarily um, the, the thing that I need to keep reminding myself of, and that is really great, is that we, we get to connect directly with our audience so we don't need like a gatekeeper to tell us like, well, you fit into this genre and thus you get this label and this agent and stuff. Like we don't have any of that, but we do have direct connection with the audience thanks to the internet. So all of the support that we really need exists just in the form of direct connection without like an extra person helping with the emails, but also without an extra person taking a cut of it. Right. So it works out pretty great. Did you ever, were you ever pushed to be more, I guess, quote unquote, mainstream? Did anybody like either personally or professionally say, hey, maybe you really should try to reach out to more people? You know, not really. Like there are definitely opportunities that exist. Like there are comedy music festivals or like bluegrass festivals that our friends do who fit more standardly into one category or another. Um, And every once in a while, I will look at them and then be like, oh, we don't have this exact kind of packet or like bio or video so I couldn't apply and go that direction. Mm-hmm. And that, that does kind of like sometimes make me feel like we should fit into a better role. But we've kind of come to accept about ourselves that the things that make us different are what really make us shine, to mm-hmm. quote a double quote song. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, the, the ability to connect with your audience. Uh, and I think that I think you're right. That is you know, largely because of the, you know, the way that not only what you're writing songs about, but the way that you're distributing it and and touring. And a lot of your songs deal with these familiar themes and these shared experiences that people can relate to on an individual level. So Mm -hmm. I have to imagine that that really does make it easier for fans to connect with you. And for, you know, when you do a show, people probably feel a little bit more comfortable coming up to you and afterwards and saying, oh, I love this song because rather than just like, you sing about love and you know, it's, it's kind of generic, whereas like a lot of other bands do. Yeah. I mean, definitely singing about being awkward is super helpful for awkward people to be able to talk to us. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, yeah, we're all on the same page. When you started though, was that, was that intentional? Like were you intentionally trying to open the door for, for people to like see themselves in music where they couldn't otherwise, or, or were you just writing about songs for yourselves? Songs that spoke to you personally? Primarily the latter, I yes. would say, because, um, uh, you know, it's it's hard to write uh, what you don't know, mm-hmm. um, or at least definitely for me, I have a hard time, like, I'll try to tell a, a fantasy story, but really, I'll come to the end of the song and realize, like, oh, this turtle is me, like, this, you know, snake is really has the same problems that I do, um, and uh, I think there are a lot of people like me, like, uh, a lot of people like me who, in middle school and high school only listened to like Weird Al and They Might Be Giants, like never were interested in any other music because we didn't relate to it and couldn't find the specific niche people like your Kimya Dawson or Amanda Palmer who were making this music but were in different places um, and the internet wasn't as big to connect us to them. So I think people like me will find the music that I make relatable because we've all had these shared experiences. This is awesome, but not, I guess, a marketing strategy. (laughs) 
it, it doesn't seem to be hurting you, though. I mean, you guys are, are plenty of success. Well, I don't know if you would say you're plenty successful, but from the outside, you seem to be very successful. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's definitely cool to be able to make this two people's full time job. I mean, it's a constant hustle, but um you know, I'd rather be working 60 to 80 hours a week on a job that I love yeah. than on a job that I don't love. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Um, geek culture, if if we can call it that. Go know, for it. OK, I'm going to. Um, you know, we all we, we grew up on the on the fringes of what was acceptable, you know, when we were growing up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever that was. Um, yeah. And I think that it's more or less become mainstream popular U.S. Mm-hmm. culture at this point. So, you know, where do we go from here? Like, what's what's the next horizon? What's the next mountain we need to tackle? Oh, boy. Um, now that we've taken over the world. Yeah. Uh, I Maybe mean, we can learn to be nice to each other. Yeah, <laughs> being nice. Amen. Um, I mean, I think it's true, like, geek hobbies and stuff are more mainstream, especially with, like, superhero movies are the movies of everybody. Um, but I think uh, there are challenges with everybody being inclusive um, of like casual fans or people who are new and also uh, you know, people who are uh, in groups that have not traditionally been super visible in the mainstream production of, of geek culture and any like marginalized groups. And, and there's like so much work to be done. Like geek culture has taken over the pop culture, but there are still a lot of people in the world with problems. So yeah. maybe, maybe we can use the power that we have for, yeah. for good. It seems like there's still a lot of infighting though, even just within geek culture. Yeah, it's silly. We write a lot of songs about how the angry that makes us. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you could sit here and rationalize it, but I don't think that there really is a, a, a sufficient explanation for why, you know, people who have spent their entire lives being on the outside are now trying to exclude so many other people. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense yeah. to me. It's not a lot of self-actualization. Not enough people go to therapy. <laughs> you think that would solve it? I do. I really do. Because <laughs> if you have been mar- like marginalized, if you've been bullied, like your first instinct is to you think that the people who are bullying you have power and that becomes admirable. So you want to turn around and like if you suddenly have power, then the only way you've seen power used is to put other people down yeah. as opposed to bring other people up. So if we can kind of process our, our stuff and turn it around to where other people's happiness makes us happy instead of angry. Uh, that might be might be good. Yeah, get rid of the humiliation and shame culture. That's just part of culture. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I guess I just. I don't. I don't know oh. if I don't know if anybody has the answer to that though. Like how we do that. Yeah, I think it just magically will have some sort of coffee pill. Yeah, it's an individual responsibility level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine the two of you have a great relationship, but. I'm curious if that was always the case. Like, were you super close growing up? Physically, yeah. <laughs> uh, we shared a house. Sure did. Uh, and we're near each other in many, many times. So many shared experiences. Uh, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people ask us, like, people who have siblings, um, like, they wish that they got along as well as we seem to when we're on stage. And the thing that really helped us is not living in the same house yeah. um, and actually having some breaks from each other because we have a lot of things to talk about and shared experiences. And, like, it's really great when I'm away from Aubrey for eight hours because I want to catch her up on everything I I've like done that part, yeah. in the eight hours. 
but if we were together for that whole eight hours, nope. we'd probably be super hangry by the end of yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it happens. Gotta take breaks. Gotta take breaks. Self-care. Yep. <laughs> Communication. Does that make touring frustrating? A struggle, I guess? Oh, it's 100% great the entire time we're on tour. <laughs> we're never tired or hungry or frustrated. <laughs> nope. Mm. As, I don't know. As we've written about... Yeah, there's no challenges to tour at all. I know. I, I think everybody should do it all the time. <laughs> everybody, all the time. Yeah. Um, Aubrey, you recently did uh, a cover of "History Has Its Eyes on You." Yes. Um, I I loved it. I I, I listen to it on constant repeat some days because oh it just gosh. it makes me feel better. Um, so please tell me that more is coming. Oh. <laughs> More Hamilton specifically. More Hamilton. I, can you can you just do the entire musical? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of fun. I like there's that was a, I really love that song and it connected with me and also it's completely sung so the melody was really lent itself to the cello. Yeah, it's hard to recreate rapping on a cello. Yeah, yeah. that's not gonna happen. You could be up to the challenge though. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for here. Yeah. <laughs> Having so much faith in my childhood. <laughs> yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of really amazing Hamilton covers. I definitely yeah. recommend going down that YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. So it, good. It's much better than falling down the, um, um, what's that song from Frozen? The uh, Let It Go rabbit hole. Oh, when that sure. was When that was first came out and all the covers were out there. And um, Hamilton at least has more songs and they're much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about Double Clicks Records for a second. Or for a little let's. while, more than a second. Yeah. Uh, why start your own label? Oh, uh, well, this goes back to something we were talking about earlier, um, where uh, there are the music industry traditionally has been set up to really like in genres and in very rigidly. Um, so people like us, like unless we went full comedy or full family, like kids music, yeah. it would be kind of hard to us to get a label and thus get the press uh, and support and like opening gigs like uh, gigs opening for people on tour and stuff um so we basically just kind of made it up ourselves because we didn't want to fit into one of those categories um and we didn't want to do the work required to get Mm -hmm. that way you know more than manipulating ourselves and finessing marketing more than just like making stuff so uh we've been fortunate to have built up this whole systems uh, to do these things. And then there are other people who are new to this world who haven't built up those systems for themselves. Um, and, uh, we thought we could help. So, uh, our friend Lucia Fasano, who is my comedy partner on our show, Caddy Bees, an amazing improviser and standup has this album of music. That's it's beautiful, like folky jazzy music. And she's also a comedian. She's like so many things. She can't fit into one box. Right. But, we acknowledge that and we think she's great anyway. So we were like, well, we can help you use crowdfunding to, to, um, to put out an album. We can help you use our resources to get some press and to go on tour. You could open for us. And, uh, it's, it's been really, really cool because it's a thing that wouldn't have existed if we weren't able to intervene. And, uh, I think it makes the world better that it's there. So we're, we're hoping to do more of that, in the future with reasonable uh, abilities within our mm-hmm. time on yes. earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that, yeah. that Kickstarter, her Kickstarter, the one that just, just finished recently, I think it was, it was a yeah. huge success. You guys like doubled the goal, I think at least more than doubled the goal. Yes. Um, so you're off to a great start. Yeah. Do you have like, 
I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from for why you set it up, but like, do you have a mission? Like, what kind of performers are you looking for beyond this? You know, are you, are you looking? Do you have a certain type that you're looking for, or are you just open to, you know, whatever you like and whatever comes your way? You're just open to giving them a platform. Yeah, I mean, it it has a lot to do with what we'd like. I could describe that uh, as like people who are good at engaging with an audience, people who write music that is positive and feminist and personal, um, and uh, have an entertaining live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all things that are important to me, but mostly it's folks that I think that we could make a positive impact in connecting their music to the world using the sort of crowd-based resources that we have instead of the top-down resources that traditionally music has used yeah. to tell people what is good music and you must listen now. Get it on the radio. Get it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, the internet and the music industry have this really, I guess you call it unique. I mean, it's a very unique relationship now. Um, yeah. I mean, the internet is often blamed for destroying the music industry the way it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know that it's destroyed it. I think it's opened up a lot of doors that were just sealed shut before. But, yeah, you know, you guys are coming at it from a very unique perspective. And I, generally speaking, you know, when you look around at all of the other musicians that are out there, all the other great acts and, 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 and singers and songwriters, do you think that a lot of musicians just rely on the internet to grant them like instant success? Like they see people like, <laughs> like you or Paul and Storm or Jonathan Colton, and they don't necessarily realize the, the hard work and the years that it took to get to the point that you are. And they think, oh, internet, I'll just put up an MP3 and I'll be instantly famous. I, I do think that the work becomes invisible. I think that's true, not just with the internet though. Like people said Katy Perry wasn't like, you know, one hit, <laughs> like immediate success. And she had been doing, mm-hmm. uh, she had been in LA working for 10 years yeah. before she got a hit. Like um, creativity definitely, uh, it takes more work than you think. Like it can look super glamorous to be up on a stage, but there's there's many, uh, many years of work required to, well, to get all of the bad stuff out so that you're finally making good music and to uh, develop like a loyal group of people who are willing to support you. Because ultimately music comes down to um, people have to want to like you, uh, which is a thing that Colton has talked about is that like people have to like you in order for to give you money uh, because they don't have to pay for music. You know, music just exists. Like you can listen to it. It's not like a tangible product. So you're not going to make money off of it unless people like you, if you have dedicated support. It strikes me as, you know, what you are trying to do with the Double Click Records label. You know, you're trying to break down the barriers that have existed for so long to get people who may not necessarily have had the inroads or have the connections. Um, mm-hmm. Ashley Eckstein. And, and we're certainly not the only people who have started their own record label sure. because of those things, but I think we're in the nerd lady internet genre that we're specifically part of. That's yeah. Certain, yeah. It, 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 I, I see similarities to what Ashley Eckstein from her universe has done with mm-hmm. her, her universe press. You know, she, she just said, you know what? I see all these people with these great stories inside of them and I'm just going to start a publishing company, you know? So she's, She's looking for the great stories that people, fans and, you know, people that come to her and giving them a way to have that voice be heard. And it sounds like you guys are trying to do something similar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, musicians who have something to say and have a unique voice and maybe don't have the way to sort of amplify that voice. Is that fair? Yeah. 
yeah no that's uh, i like that a lot i love yeah. i love the horror universe folks they've done some amazing stuff absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and she you know with what what they've got coming from books is very exciting and so i see the same thing with what you guys are doing with music and i think that's also very exciting so it's awesome to see because too many people i think once they you know get that 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 sense of success or they you know that bit of fame or not that fame goes to people's heads but that you know they tend to focus on their own career and where they're they're going and it's it's mm-hmm. so wonderful to see people I don't want to say look back, but like look, you know, turn around and help those who 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 need that helping hand, you know, or you know, say, you know what, I, I'm in this position now where I can help, you know, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's also just like frustrating to see, like I could fix this problem, yeah. I have to fix it, like I can't leave it alone. So that's where we're at. <laughs> it's less uh, like pragmatic, or wait, what's the word? I don't know. Less charitable and more just like. Uh, you, I could, you could have an album out, and then I would have, I'd be able to bring you on tour, and I could yeah. hang out with you. Like you, you, this could, this music could be everywhere. I wouldn't have to just be like, oh, you really should hear this music, but yeah. you can't because you know. Yeah. Is, is we this do everything for ourselves? Is this the future of the music <laughs> industry? Do you think? Oh God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I really like Patreon. Um, I really like the the thing uh, connecting directly with an audience without having a whole bunch of stuff in the middle works really well for a lot of kinds of music um, and a lot of kinds of artists. So I hope that it conti- this continues to exist. And I hope that people uh, acknowledge that um, it doesn't have to turn into a giant corpor- corporation. Like there's just a bunch of middle-class opportunities to be a musician, not for everybody. Like there's nothing wrong with being a niche and there's nothing wrong with just kind of keeping it at that level. I think people constantly try to grow and expand, which is good in some ways, but at a certain level, like it's okay for there to be a billion artists and yeah, to be, you don't have to be for everybody. Um, and nothing, you don't have to sell your company just because you feel like you have to, you know, I, I hope that people continue to acknowledge the great thing about the internet is lots of little things instead of a few big things. You know, you talked about Patreon and things like Kickstarter. It seems I've talked to a lot of people who have had their own. I've never done one, so I can only imagine the work that goes in that's involved with them. But you know, they seem very time consuming, you know, just running (laughs) a Kickstarter and then following up on everything afterwards. And then, you know, if you have a Patreon, you have to have, you know, certain monthly, you know, whatever you're giving your backers. That's all time that you could be writing songs or playing music. So, I mean, does that. Does that ever like sort of frustrate you that like, okay, we have this amazing opportunity now and all these tools that, that didn't exist before. And, and this is wonderful. And I know I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I wish I had somebody to do it all for me so I could just focus <laughs> on doing what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely part of that. Like we've gotten very good at creating a fast system for everything. Um, like Lucia's we've spent what, like maybe five days fulfilling yes. our Kickstarter and yeah. it's, it, we finished just now actually right before uh we started this interview which is why we were late. um we lost some stuff we found it <laughs> um i think uh, i think it's definitely a danger and when people ask me for advice on patreon i tell them that like remember that people are supporting you because they want to support your art not because they want to support something you haven't made yet that's going to take away time from your art like you don't need to you know give people a bunch of custom stuff like be chill yeah. and just make your thing and uh it's way more worth it to you if it actually gives you time to create instead of time to fulfill rewards. It's, it's definitely a trap. And there are a lot of great services that are 
working to help people fulfill stuff. Like there are like lots of print on demand services and lots of like black box, um, which is Cards Against Humanity's new Kickstarter fulfillment wing. Mm-hmm. Um, Topodico has been doing that for a long time for web comics. Uh, so people don't have to ship their own shirts. They can, um, and th- those are, Topodico is also our partner for shipping merchandise. Um, it's a, it's a challenge to do everything at once, but that's also kind of the deal. If you want to be a full-time creative person, you don't just get to yeah. sit on your porch and write a novel like Colin Firth in Love Actually. You yeah. actually have. You can't just write your novel or or <laughs> yeah. write your songs. You actually you have to you know design stickers and buttons and T-shirts and yeah. ship ship them and you know <laughs> it's a, it's or at a lot least of work. email the people that are doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of time. Yeah. Is is there a like a, a song your own or somebody else's? Is there? Do you guys have a song that you think perfectly sums up your life? Ooh, yeah, I have one. Do you have one? I have one. I don't want to. Okay. okay, there's a song called. Uh, Oh God, I'm gonna look it up. Okay. I'm sorry if you have to edit this. We can edit. It's a song called "In My Mind" by Amanda Palmer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it is uh, a song about how she always thought that at this point she would be, you know, organized and you know, exercising and taking care of these things, but she's not. But it's okay because she spent her time doing something else and she's still amazing. Like you don't have to be the person you thought you'd be and you don't have to be perfect because you have been spending your time on something that brought you to this point. Um, and, uh, and that's great. Like your journey is, is going. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I cry when I listen to it. The video is amazing. It's on YouTube in my mind by Amanda Palmer. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, you know, she's an independent artist and she's been just, you know, working and grinding for decades now probably yeah. um and uh has a lot of great insights and she's amazing yeah <laughs> so, um i have to ask what okay what's the deal with the cat keyboard where did it come from yeah uh you do have to ask <laughs> uh it's my fault or it's aubrey's fault yeah do you want to yeah. tell sure uh we had uh, our cousin had a I had a child, a young child, and this cat keyboard appeared when I was babysitting. And uh, I thought this was a great idea. Yeah. It's amazing because it has a lot of features, but the best part is it has a meow that it plays, a mm-hmm. sample of a woman meowing. Uh, yeah, it's a human meow. Yeah. It's not a cat meow. No. Yeah. Uh, just three different samples all pitched. So, And it only plays two notes at a time. It's it's a great. Aubrey really wanted it, and it, I became worried that she might steal it. Yes. Um, and then we went, we played, we were doing like, uh, sort of pop-up gigs around a convention in Seattle. Um, and we wanted to go in and play music, but also be able to disperse quickly, um, if we got in trouble. Um, and so we didn't want to bring Aubrey's giant cello. Yeah. So we were like, well, you could bring the cat keyboard and play the cat keyboard during the show, which didn't end up being a very good idea at all. (laughs) But at that point we had the cat keyboard. The first show we played it at, uh, it got a name. Yep, Maximilian. And so that once it's named, it's like naming yeah, you, gig on your farm. You can't eat it you then. You can't get rid of it, no. Of course yeah. not. So yeah, he's been, uh, starting with our first album, he's been on one song in every album, and he has a lot of covers on our YouTube channel. And at this point, um, basically, if we don't have him at a show, a young child will come up to us and be like, what the heck? That's like the only thing I like about your band. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 
So, I mean, they'll do it in a kid way, but uh, we have to have it now, and it's a gift and a curse. Yeah. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the Star Wars cover with the uh, with Maximilian is, is a particular favorite in this house. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. A- any, anything Star Wars is a favorite with my daughter, and, you know, if yeah. it's got a meowing cat keyboard, all the better. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, we, we started doing covers on it, I think, for World Builders a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss's charity, they raise money and they ask um, various nerd people to do, like, acts of whimsy for stretch goals. And so we covered... Moonlight Sonata yep. on the cat keyboard called it Meow and Light Sonata. Yep. And uh, the rest is <laughs> has cat, happened. Cat keyboard history, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to, um, you know, talk to a room full of kids and yeah. who are about to choose their first instrument. Ooh. Would you recommend that they do go a traditional route like piano or violin or should they do their best to stand out and play something that's like really obscure and they'd be the only person that knows how to play it? <laughs> Aubrey, do you have an answer? Oh man, I really, uh, they, I feel like the first thing they need to determine is if they're going to sing while they play it. Yeah. Mm. Cause, uh, if you learn the bassoon, it's, you're really choosing a path. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. I mean, I think I, I started, I played violin for 10 years from when I was three to when I was 13. <laughs> yes. Um, and I hated every minute of it. Uh, I mean, maybe I liked it at the beginning. Like I liked the idea of it, but it's an instrument that you can't play well when you start. Like it takes you like 10 years to like play it, to get good at it, which is why I quit. Um, but I think really the most important thing is that it's an instrument that you want to play. Yes. Like I wish that, um, a kid was put in a room with a bunch of instruments and like kind of given a few minutes with each one and being like, well, what, what is your passion for yeah. it? Cause like, I love the guitar because you could pick it up and you're immediately playing a song. Like it takes like 10 minutes, you know, you only have to know one chord and how to do one thing with your hand. And then you can just do a song by yourself and sing. Um, and it's, it's my top fave. I imagine Aubrey likes playing the cello. I do now. <laughs> I was very lucky to have an amazing, I had the opportunity to study with, like, starting with an amazing teacher who was very encouraging, and it's exactly what I needed at that moment. And it's also a super, super challenging instrument, which was great, because I I learned a lot about being frustrated and getting through things (laughs) playing the cello. So Was the cello, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would have quit if I hadn't been, uh, like, told to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Was if it I your choice to begin with? Was it your choice or did, you know, did somebody put one in your was. hand? No, I don't think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how often how it works with kids. You know, your parents pick the instrument for you and that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. Or yeah. somebody picks it. Yeah. That's how I ended up playing saxophone when I was a kid and I hated it. Oh no. It's <laughs> so cool though. It's it, super cool. It, I mean, I, my daughter now thinks it's super cool because I still have it and she wants me to break it out and start playing. And I tried once and it's just, you know, it's it's one of those instruments like the trumpet or the clarinet or the violin that if you don't know what you're doing, it sounds awful. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You, you know, have to yeah. I mean you either love it or hate it. Yeah, like <laughs> piano and guitar, like you can not know how to play and it's it's still listenable. You know, it's not going to make yeah. somebody cringe to listen to it. But like clarinet or saxophone, like they squeak and it's, oh, it's awful. It's awful. Um, yeah, my daughter is learning. She plays piano and she's learning uh, a Chinese instrument, traditional Chinese instrument, which. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's it's enormous, though. So it's not something you could just walk around with. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. It's a stringed instrument. And 
even if you don't know how to play I mean I could sit there and start plucking it and it would sound good um so that I'm happy with you know it's not I don't have to listen to like the screechy clarinet in the other room yeah <laughs> um I think though you know if we're talking you know creativity and especially with kids and and you know as we get older I think everyone probably has something inside of them that they're afraid to do creatively um, mm-hmm. And they haven't done it because either they don't think that they can or they, they might fail or they don't have any support. Um, what do you say to them? Like, what do you say to somebody to get past those fears? Ooh. Uh, because obviously you guys had to move past those fears at some point. Sure. You. I mean, you have to be bad. It's okay to be bad. You have to be bad, but you can only get better. Making stuff will help you get better, and it's okay to make bad stuff, and it's okay to make stuff you don't share with people. Um, but the only way you can get better is by doing stuff. Yeah, and it and it's amazing how much better you're gonna be next year from where you are right now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you've got um, the Kickstarter that just ended, Lucia's CD that you're working on, and you have a few shows coming up. You have your own. Uh, album that just came out relatively recently are you mm-hmm. looking to the future is there something else coming up or are you just sort of focusing on getting all of this done yeah well you know we we basically have a day job in the patreon um realm so putting out videos and uh and writing songs and doing covers yeah. is is the big thing we're focusing on at the moment um we also have a big variety show in portland that we've been using to develop new material um, which takes a lot of our time and a monthly online show that takes quite a bit of time. It, we have kind of a nice stable ground, but we're definitely working on stuff for the next album. The video that just came out this week, uh, Lord of the Rings is the first song we've released. I think that's going to be on the next album or that a kilogram. Um, so writing new songs, putting them out, making things, being home for a while. We spent a lot of time away. Oh my gosh. Uh, but if you, if you want to find our stuff, I mean like, Staying tuned to any of our social media or YouTube is a good place because there will be new things coming. Yep. Awesome. Angela, Aubrey, thank you so much for your time. This is just, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> Are they going to be on the cruise? Do you know? Uh, they have been. I'm not sure if they're signed okay. up for the next Okay. Right. And we're coming really close to the holidays and... We're still doing double episodes, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Are we going to keep doing them? What do you think? I think we're going to slow down. Yeah. We, we might carry it to the end of November um, or at least for the next week. But then right. I think we're going to go back to one for a little while. Uh, oh, I know. Just... <laughs> a huge groan of, of uh, ups, you know, upset dissatisfaction was heard across the country. But, uh, we, we, you know, it's what, what not going to decrease our quality. Man, what a deflating announcement for people. I'm just joking. Should we continue with two a week? No, no, no. I think I think we need to. Uh, it's you know, guys, it's a lot of work doing two a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the reason he doesn't want to do it. He's like, oh man, honest. I got to edit two episodes, and then we have to record more. And it's it's a it's a grind. But um, I want to thank uh, Amy Wishman on Twitter for uh, and Franklin for talking about us this week and talking about how great questions Jamie makes up are. Thanks. I just wanted to say thanks to Amy for that. We we appreciate all of our listeners, and when you get in touch with us, we want to shout you out. So tweet to us if we know you're out there. We see the downloads. It's not. Fan, I don't think it's phantom computers downloading our episodes. Yeah, we're so. not that popular that bots that found us to just like artificially inflate our numbers. So we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can get in touch with us at the GBB Podcast on Twitter. 
and facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. And we will see you next week. I am Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Robots. And try to have a great week. <laughs> we will Take care, guys. <laughs>